When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, everybody. It is Catfish on Ice live episode, episode 219, with your hosts, Chad Minton and Max Greenberg. Welcome in. I am on the back end of a cold, everybody. So, um, yeah, it's that time of year. Everyone's fighting off colds. I'm really hoping that's all the natural predators are going through right now is a cold. (laughs) One one of those one of those colds that you get in the middle of winter and it, it puts you on the shelf for a little bit because the preds are slumping max how are you doing man well I, I fear i might just be starting a cold i got a little bit of a cough that developed last night i'm hoping it's just a cough so far i'm hoping nothing else materializes i i hate and i was i had a cold three months ago and that's not long at all for so like i've had cold. dude i've since we're airing out our grievances right now on colds I've had two colds in the last month. So when I went back home to Nashville, I had a cold. And then this this Florida guy, I've been in Florida for a year and a half now, and I am absolutely um, just so weak when it comes to cold. When the temperature drops below 60 degrees, I am weak. I am I can't handle it anymore. All it took was a year and a half of living in Florida for me to be so weak when it comes to uh, temperatures when it drops below 60. But yes, so I have been watching the Predators from afar, but I have definitely been battling the cold bug here lately. But I am ready. I have a lot of stuff to get off my chest. Max does as well. A lot of stuff has happened since our last live episode of Catfish on Ice. The Predators, they are in a rut right now, Max. They are in one of those mid-season ruts. And what do I always say? I always say you cannot let this snowball, no pun intended, based on all my Nashville friends who just dug themselves out of the great oh, Nashville yeah. blizzard. Oh, yeah. No, I literally, I left my apartment like maybe five times all of last week. I'm not even joking. Maybe that's the reason I got it cold now because I just walked outside. Maybe. Two days ago for the first time in a while. Like, man. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the Predators, they are in a rut right now for sure. We are going to discuss in our opening face-off, how do they pull out of it? What is the main cause of this? Is there any hope ahead? What can they do? I will say right now, preface it before we really get into it. I would never call a game in January a must-win. But, man, this game against the Minnesota Wild coming up on Thursday. We're recording on a Wednesday, so tomorrow... It really feels like a game you got to have right now. I don't know about you, Max, but man, maybe it's because of the bias in me because it's the Minnesota Wild and it's John Hines and it's what they did to us the last time we saw them where they just completely curb stomped us. But it feels like for the psyche, for the psyche, you got to have this game on Thursday. I mean, if you want to keep your season hopes alive, you really do. And I mean, there's four games left until the... I believe four games left until the all-star break begins. And yeah, you know, that's gonna and when we come back from that, it's gonna be on February 10th. And I would think 
by then, I mean, you never know how things change, but by then it seemed, you would think that the Preds, like Barry Trotz's mind is going to be pretty much made up whether or not he wants to be a buyer or a seller at the deadline. Mm. I mean, we're going to get into that as well. I'm glad you brought that up, Max. So later in this episode, we're six weeks away from the trade deadline, give or take, but um, go listen to episode 218. I recorded that last week with uh, Clay Brewer of uh, Nashville Hockey Now. We really got deep into it. But even since then, a lot has changed. Um, so we are going to dive a little deeper into what we think is in the mind of Barry Trotz right now, going into his first official trade deadline as a as an NHL general manager. So really, who knows what's going to happen. But also, we got some other stuff to get into. So Yuso Parsonen has been sent down to the Milwaukee Admirals. I always hate to put it in that terminology, sent down. It makes it sound so bad. I don't think it's a bad thing for Yuso Parsonen to be, um, let, let me say it a little bit better, reassigned or assigned to the Milwaukee Admirals um, because the guy basically bypassed the Milwaukee Admirals. Yeah, he, he wasn't there for much for long at all. And, you know, for a guy like that, you know, it's, it's normal for young players to go through, you know, bat, through rough times. And, you know, if you just take a look, I mean, at his base stats, they're, they're clearly worse than last year. And, you know, it seems like these past couple of games or a lot of the games this year, he's kind of felt invisible. So I don't, I, I'm with you. I don't have a problem at all sending him back down to Milwaukee for, I don't know how long it's going to be. Could be like a few weeks, could be the rest of the year for all we know. I, I don't know what exactly Barry Trotz and Andrew Brunette are planning as far as that's concerned. But, you know, I, for a guy like Yuso Parson, and it's not the, it's certainly not the end of the world for him. But you know, I, I, cer- I certainly support him going back down there, finding his game again, and yeah, and I just, I, I, it, it, people. So we're gonna get it, into it a little bad, bit more, but I don't think it's a terrible thing at all. I think just yeah. find his confidence we're back. Really get, like we're really gonna get into it a little bit more. We're gonna look at how it impacts the lineup, what it, what it can mean for Parson moving forward, all those things. What what uh, head coach Andrew Burnett said about it. Um, he, one thing I really like about Brunette is he's very unfiltered when it comes to his roster decisions. I really appreciate them or appreciate that from him as a head coach. So we're gonna get a little bit into that a little bit more. Also some roster news that just dropped today. Um, Cole Smith, who has been a prove it type of player ever since he's been with the Predators, um, has come full circle, you know, all the fans, you know, love his gritty, hard-hitting style, but he's always been the punching bag of this team and this fan base. But he has gradually earned the respect of, I would say, the vast majority of this fan base. Yeah. But even more importantly, he's earned the vast majority of the of the respect of the people who sign his paychecks, and that's the National Predators front office. He gets a two-year deal worth a two million total. Not a not a massive earth shattering deal by any means, but for him, it's his first multi year deal of his NHL career. So that's pretty awesome stuff for him. Yeah, and you know, well, I don't want to go into it too far right now, but you know, I certainly the way he's played, he's improved, and you know, he's proven he works hard and does some good things. Well, he's a really he's a good role player, and I I, I love the deal. I mean, it's not certainly not a deal that's gonna you know you know, make a huge difference to the Preds one way or another. You know, it's, he's still a bottom six role player, like I said, but I think it's great value for a guy like Cole Smith. I I, I love it. Yeah. Uh, a couple other things to get into tonight on episode 219 of Catfish on Ice presented by DraftKings, promo code THPN, and also part of the Hockey Podcast Network. 
We are going, I, I want to uh, give out the results of a poll I sent out last week. I honestly forgot that I sent it out because I put it on, I put it on a seven day uh, voting, voting um, deadline or whatever. Wow, and I that's for- a long time. I totally forgot I sent it out. <laughs> But I didn't even know you could do a seven day. You can actually, apparently, poll. I don't know, but um, yeah. So I sent out a a, a poll uh, last week, ancient history. I know, um, on what Preds fans think. Well, who who the Preds fans think will be the starting goaltender on opening night, twenty twenty four twenty five? Your your four options were UC Soros, um. Iroslav Askarov, Kevin Lankinen, or Donald Trump. No, I'm so sorry. That was a joke. That was a very bad joke. I'm so sorry. Not Donald Trump, but other. Other. Right. Other was the fourth choice. I'm going to give those results. Um, pretty good results. Pretty, pretty interesting. Some comments we got as well. And then me and Max will dive into what we think, who we think will be the starter. That'll round out episode 219. Also, got to get into the Central Division Rundown. Major topic. Really, my biggest topic is, I mean, it's really horrible timing, but the NHL decided to talk about NHL expansion today to uh, Utah. So, we will talk about that later. But before we even do that, let's let's go ahead and just get it out there. It's a really ugly day for the hockey world. Um, I really am sick of the hockey world being in the headlines in the sports media and national news for the most terrible and horrendous reasons. And so, uh, Max, what's going on here, man? The, the, the World Junior team from 2018, five players are alleged of sexual misconduct. Um, a lot of bad things going on here. Um, some players have taken leaves of absence, including mm-hmm. Carter Hart is the big name there, but when it comes to sexual assault allegations, it doesn't matter what your name is. They're all bad. It's all bad. What uh, what do you have uh, with the list there and some of the things that are going on here? Yeah, I mean, it's as you said, it's a pretty cut and dry topic that is never okay, and I don't really know what else to say as far as that's concerned. You know, if it's – and, you know, let me me just say, and, you know, Chad very much agrees with this, you know, we we don't know entirely for sure what is true and what's not. We're not we're we're not here accusing anyone of anything. We're going off the news that's reported, and the news that's reported said five players, and I'm about to list them, were named in this sexual assault allegation. These allegations they are Michael McLeod and Cal Foot of the New Jersey Devils. Cal Foot played for the Preds a little bit towards the end of last year. Carter Hart of the Philadelphia Flyers. That's obviously the big name here. Dylan Dubé of the Calgary Flames, who's not a nobody. He's been in the league for a while. He's been on the Flames for a good bit. And then former NHL player Alex Formanton, who, who's now with the team in Europe, and they've all been um, they've been asked to surrender to police to face sexual assault charges. So, yeah, yeah, I in mean, London. So um, yeah. I've got this here in front of me as well. Um, per a release from London Police Service, um, their their social media bulletin on this we understand that there is significant public interest in relation to a sexual assault investigation dating back to 2018 we anticipate that the lps will hold a press conference on monday february 5th 2024 to share further details which i mean look i i'm not a lawyer i'm not a legal scholar like you just said max i'm never going to 
jump in to uh, with all the pitchforks and burn someone at the stake when I don't know the facts. We are not insiders on this podcast. Me and Max are can only go off the same things that the media provides that all of you have in front of you. So um, we weren't going to start this podcast without addressing this very serious matter. And just how I just open it up. I'm really sick of having to talk about things yeah. like this, not because the victims don't matter because the victims do matter. I'm, I'm more sick of it in the sense of we, why it, it's just it's such a stain on, yeah. on just life in general that these things come up and there's people out there who do things like this. Yeah. And if there was any kind of cover up, if there, which it doesn't look good right now, I can, I can just tell you right now, it does no. not look good. Any kind of cover up is just horrendous. It's horrible. It's despicable. And we'll wait for the facts to come out. And I mean, I don't understand why a press conference has to wait until February 5th to learn some facts. Yeah, that's, the public yeah, deserves like, what, to know. Yeah. Very shady stuff. Um, that's all we're going to say on it. Not because we don't care or because that it's not important, but just because we're just two guys doing a podcast. Yep. And we don't we 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 can't speak on on all of this without knowing the facts because these are serious allegations. All we can say is it's awful and it and it's a another really ugly stain on on this sport. Yeah. And um until we learn more facts, that's all I can really say about it right now. Yeah. So um with that said, let's move on here. Let's try to talk some positive things. Let's try to talk some hockey tonight on Catfish and Ice episode. 219 with our opening face off and that is that clearly max i'm going to give you the floor here to open us up here but i th- i know you realize this the predators offense has definitely they got a flat tire they might have two flat tires they they got the hazard lights on right now they're pulling off to the shoulder on the highway because look two goals or less in their last four games nine goals in their last five games and we were sold that this team was going to be flashy, use a lot of speed, score a lot. That's what Andrew Burnett brought is supposed to bring to this team. We're over halfway through the season. The honeymoon period is probably ending right now with this fan base. Max, what's plaguing this team in your eyes? Um, I think, you know, just being able to watch the game, see what's happening out there. I think a common theme for Preds, you know, this, is, this might seem like, oh, Captain Obvious kind of statement, but, you know, it seems pretty clear that the Preds right now are having trouble, you know, getting to the scoring areas that matter, like the, the high percentage slot. You know, they're getting very few chances down there. You know, I, I think a textbook example of that was, you know, the game last Monday on Martin, the King Day against Vegas. We actually possessed the puck for a while. We did a lot of good things, and a lot of people, and people, a lot of people said, you know, we kind of outplayed them in some ways, but they destroyed us when it came to, you know, defending the slot area. We couldn't get down there to save our lives. And, you know, the goal, the chance that we got that game, the, you know, their, their goaltender, I, I think it was Logan Thompson, whoever, whoever was in goal for the Knights that game, didn't really struggle to make saves at all. And, you know, and I, I, I think with, as far as, you know, how, is it fixable, you know, what's going to happen? I, I think, you know, there's def- there's definitely some element of, you know, going through a tough time and, you know, knowing the kind of coach Burnett is, knowing that the team has been able to do what they've done all year and score. You know, they 
they've gotten a lot out of this roster that's, you know, full uh, besides the top line of this team and, you know, a few one or two guys on defense, yeah, probably Yossi and McDonough. It's mostly you know, young players and role players. And, you know, yeah. it's, and it's one of those things where they've done a lot. And, you know, I, I think I certainly think Brunette can adjust. But, you know, I think that I, I think that, you know, one thing that this fan base is going to have to come to terms with is we might have gotten a little bit ahead of ourselves during the winning streak in November, December. You know, not saying this team isn't going to be any good in the future, but, you know, just with where they are right now, the level of inexperience and the um, and like I say, a roster full of young, like inexperienced guys and role players is going to go through their struggles. And, you know, it, and this team just we may have to accept the team this year may just not be a threat. And that's honestly OK, because they weren't expected to be. And yeah, you would want we hope it gets better. You know, we want certainly we want we don't we want to score goals because that was the strength of this team. But, you know, I think people are going to have to be, be able to be OK with there's going to be inconsistency. And this is part of that. So speaking to that, I think that obviously the elephant in the room here when it comes to the offense is and. I'm going to get some pushback on this, but it's just the facts. Um, and, and it really kind of speaks to what you just said, Max. Um, everyone wanted to see these younger players in bigger roles. Everyone wanted to see your Philip Tomasinos, your Yusuf Parsons, who we're about to talk about, your Luke Evangelistas, your uh, Tommy Novaks. They wanted to see them in second-line roles and playing every night and be thrust into the lineup. These are all like – very, very recent draft picks when you're really talking about the hockey spectrum and how long it takes to develop a prospect. These players all – I'm just talking about forwards. I'm not even talking about defensemen because it's mainly forwards. So you're, you're, you're going through these growing pains, and that's where your secondary scoring is expected to come from right now. And so when you look at the Predators and when you look at when they were going through all that success – in November into December, Philip Forsberg was on a tear. Ryan O'Reilly was one of the top power play goal scorers in the league. He still is. Gus Nyquist is having a revival of his career. All three of those players are veterans. Colton Sissons is on a tear by his own standards when it comes to offense right now. So you're, you're seeing veterans produce... But yeah, I mean, yeah, you got Evangelista. He's got nine goals. I'm not, and I'm not saying that these younger players have been bust or they've been awful. But if you're going to get secondary scoring, which every really good NHL team has to have to compete, if you're going to get secondary scoring, it's got to come from those players, and they're not getting it right now. And that's why you're. We're going to talk about it a little bit later, but that's why Parsonin has been sent back to sent to uh, the Milwaukee Admirals is because these younger players and Brunette has talked about this. Their, their confidence is a little shaken right now and that's to be expected. Yeah. You know, and th and these are the things that every fan should not be surprised about right now. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's, we, another thing to kind of build on that is we see a lot of times Brunette says in these press conferences, like, Hey, Oh, like, when that he made that one comment about how there are too many passengers on board, he also said stuff about like some nights he feels like these guys, you know, should listen a little better. And you know, people look at that and saying, "Oh, these guys are just immature." Well, they're young. They 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 are supposed to be a little immature. That's part of the journey. They're not. They're not like you can't expect these guys to come into the league and be like Philip Forsberg right now. I mean, he's Forsberg's been in the league for almost ten years now. He's been through it. He's a veteran. 
Same with the guy like Roman Yossi, Ryan McDonough, Ryan O'Reilly, Gus Nyquist. Again, you can't expect these guys to come in and just, you know, know everything. They're going to, they're naive. They're supposed to be a little bit. So, like, they, so yeah, well, it certainly, it certainly means something as far as like this year, they're not there yet. It's like, that's supposed to happen. It's part of the journey. And, you know, as far, at least as of right now, we shouldn't be that surprised about it. And I think that's why it's so important that you handle this very delicately delicately right now if you're Barry Trotz and Andrew Burnett when it comes to um, deciding, for instance, Yusuf Parson, but going to the Milwaukee Admirals, but also just your healthy scratches. And so you saw Philip Tomasino get healthy scratch, and he battled his way through it. Um, Luke Evangelista has been a healthy scratch, only one game, if I remember correctly, but you know, he's also been going through it. I mean, this past, I think it was this past game, um, again, in the loss to, uh, uh, to the Florida Panthers. I mean, Evangelista has been getting bullied off the puck lately, and he's going to continue to go through that being an undersized, skilled offensive player. And it's a very hard league to make it in at his size. I'm not using that against Evangelista. I think he's done. He, he's got incredible talent. But I watched it. He has been getting bullied off the puck lately. He is, And he's got to work through that. He's got to figure out ways. And his teammates, his line mates have got to find ways to get him involved where he's not getting bullied off the puck. But... It was not just Evangelista. Tomasino's been getting bullied off the puck lately. He's been getting out physical um, with these bigger, more rugged physical teams. The Panthers went on a physical clinic on the Predators yeah, in that four-one They four sure did. They sure. I did. mean, every time I saw a Predators player with the puck, it felt like they were getting bumped off the puck, and it was going yes. back the other way for the Panthers. Yeah, that's how that. Yeah. Get, that's that entire game for me. Their combination, especially in the first period, their their speed, their combination of speed and physicality was just too much for us to handle. Like I, I and credit to the Preds for not letting it totally get away from after the first period. I thought that was gonna the way that was going. I thought we were gonna lose, you know, four nothing or something like that. And they 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 held and that kind of and maybe that speaks to saying, hey, maybe this team is a if anything a well coached team. They can stay in games like that where mm-hmm. they shouldn't be anywhere near. Because if you watch that first period. They were being outshot twenty-two to four. Yeah, at one was, point they, the Brett. I mean, against a team, especially against a team that made the finals last year, and that mm. and they're still doing pretty well afterwards. It, you you would think that the, the Preds really shouldn't have much business being in those games, and you can see why. They're just yeah. So when it comes to this younger core of players, and I've really got my four, my four that I focus on, it's Parsonen, Novak, Evangelista, Tomasino. Those are my four. Those are my four that are so vital to the long-term plan of this organization. And a lot of those decisions are going to have to be made on those four this offseason. You've got Tomasino. He's a restricted free agent. Parson, restricted free agent. Tommy Novak, unrestricted free agent. So a lot to figure out with those four players. But those, the, those four are really important when it comes to the the young core of this team but i i went even deeper i do think the depth scoring is is the is the biggest glaring issue that's going to keep this team from making the playoffs right now it cannot be the top line that carries this team in 
Phil Forsberg's on a three three game goal drought, yeah. I believe, or maybe even longer than that. He he hasn't it's, scored a goal in a while. It's been a few it games. Feels like it feels like all of January. He's been in a little bit of a slump. He's been held out of it. He was a non-factor against the Panthers, but yeah. um, I think teams are starting to realize that. Like, hey, we're gonna we're not gonna let Phil Forsberg beat us. This guy's on a heater. But um, yeah. I, I wanted to do some 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 dig. I wanted to dig deep into this a little bit more. So before we went live tonight, went deep into it a little bit. So I wanted to see the percentage of goals scored by some of the top scoring teams in the league compared to the Predators. So the Predators have scored 142 goals this season, which is 17th in the league tied with Minnesota in terms of goals scored. Um, So yeah, right there in the middle of the league. 36% 36% of the Preds' goals have been scored by Forsberg, O'Reilly, or Nyquist. Now, that seems like pretty high, but I was actually surprised myself when I went further into the numbers. That's actually lower than some of the other teams that really are elite at scoring, and they just rely on top goal scorers. So you look at a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, they've scored 162 goals this year. Kucherov, Braden Point, and Steven Stamkos have scored 44% wow. of that team's goals. Look, let's look at Vancouver, the top offensive team in the league right now with 178 goals. JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, and Brock Besser have scored 41% of that team's goals. Colorado, 177 goals scored this year. Um, Druin. McKinnon and Rantanen have scored 35%. So what you're what I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is this is a very normal thing for your top line to, to score the majority of your goals. There's one outlier, and it's my Stanley Cup predicted team going into the season. And I really do think it's the sweet spot. Now it's another, it just gives me another reason to think that Dallas has got the sweet sauce to win it all in the Stanley Cup playoffs. <laughs> Dallas is one of your deepest teams in the league when it comes to scoring. They get the love from all over their lineup when it comes to scoring goals. Dallas has 172 goals on the year. Only 29% of those goals come from their current top line. Just 29%. They are the sweet spot when it comes to balanced scoring. So... That kind of threw me off a little bit, though, because I I thought the Preds were kind of like one of those teams that were relying too heavily on their top line, but it it seems like more like they're they're more like the average. If anything, they're below average. Yeah, it's a, that's a I didn't see those stats for. It's kind of tough to wrap my head around, but you know, I I would think you'd still want to see more from what was ours thirty six percent. Yeah, thirty six percent from our top line. I feel like you'd want to see more, but seeing the rest of those stats, I mean, in the teams you just mentioned, you know, is maybe you could say for, because Colorado didn't really go far last year. Could you say that maybe that's a fairly telling stat about, you know, for Colorado and Vancouver, their, their chances, because the other team you listen, Tampa Bay isn't doing that, isn't doing that great this year. I mean, how, what was, did you see Winnipeg? That's a team I'd be curious to know. I didn't actually look up Winnipeg. I should, I I can get it. It, it's a. I mean, I could I could find it pretty quick, but um, I had to do some math while I was doing that research. But um, the point I was trying to make was, I do think that 
the Predators can really unlock their full potential and not only make the playoffs, but maybe even win a first round series if those younger four players I just mentioned can regain that confidence and start finding ways to score. And I think that's what Andrew Burnett is trying to figure out right now. He is scrambling to put that puzzle together. It's not easy. No one's going to hold it against him if he doesn't figure it out this season in year one. I would hope not because you're being incredibly unrealistic if you are. But we can all hope for it, right? We can all hope for it at least. And I think that's the secret that's the secret thing that they can really unlock the potential because one thing that's so frustrating about this Predators team right now is they cannot get UC Soros to have a great game and the offense to have a great game on the same night. It, it, it feels like they're chasing the Holy grail for that to right. happen right now. Yeah. I mean, and what's, what's funny is in these past few games that the Preds have kind of fizzled, fizzled out on offense, Soros has been playing pretty well. Like he's the three straight games against LA Arizona, and don't let the Saskatchewan Arizona fool you. He was on his game that game. And against Florida, and again, four goals given up, but two of those are empty netters. Soros in the past three games have been, has been doing really well. And that's, and again, game against the Islanders. Won that game with a last-second goal with Alexander Carey to take a 2-1 lead. Soros was really good then. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's what you said is absolutely true. And it's it, that is a little frustrating, but again, you, you got – Again, that just I guess that's gonna be with especially I mean we'd hope I guess we'd hope Soros and something more consistent, but this offense you got the skaters you gotta be a little more patient with. I just I just wanna see one game where they both show up at the same time. Because I feel like it's if Soros has an off night, the offense still somehow scores four or five goals, but we lose six to four or whatever it is. Or it's Soros stands on his head, he does everything he can, but you give him one or two goals of goal support. Like, I mean, that's the secret. That's the secret recipe you're looking for right now. If you're Andrew Burnett and it can't always be, Oh, we need Ryan O'Reilly and Philip Forsberg to fill up the stat sheet all night. That's how we're going to have to win tonight. It can't be that way. And it hasn't been that way lately. And that's why the predators have lost three of their last five games. Um, and this this game against the Minnesota Wild really looms large. So for me, to answer the question in the opening faceoff, it's definitely those four players I just mentioned. Now, Parsons already in Milwaukee. We're about to talk about that, so it's kind of hard for him to score right now when he's not even on the right. team. But my point stands. Novak, Tomasino, and obviously Evangelista, those guys have got to start getting more into the scoring more regularly. they got to find some chemistry. Um, that second line is going to be very interesting to see what Andrew Burnett goes with now that Parson is not in the lineup. But Parson was a healthy scratch in the last game, and he's been giving that spot to Dennis Garionov on the second yeah. line, who's been showing a lot of speed. He just can't score. He's got the right. one goal in, he's got the one goal in garbage time. But I really want to see that guy score because he is out there. Yeah. Dude, he is pushing the pace. He is showcasing his speed. He's put some really good shots on some of these goaltenders, and the goaltenders have just made the saves. Yeah. I really want to see that guy get rewarded with some goals. Yeah. I really uh, do. I, I agree. I'm seeing exactly what you're seeing with Gurionov right now, but unfortunately, I think that's been something that's plagued him his whole career, the inability to finish a lot of plays. Like, that's why he's yeah. 
despite his talents, he's been bouncing around from team to team. Nothing's really materialized as far as consist or consistency on a team that he's been on. But you know, that's yeah, I'm with you. I absolutely want to see him score more. And you know, one player you didn't mention, and who knows how it's going to be because he seems to be in limbo. But you want to see him do more. Obviously, he's Cody Glass. You want to see him start lighting it up. But it's just been not there from this year it's tough i mean i hate to say this but my confidence right now is is really mm. really low on cody glass and it's yeah. i hope i can be proven wrong on it but he's just such a non-factor right now that yeah. he's gonna have to just drastically turn around his season otherwise i could see him being part of a trade package i really yes, could absolutely yes i could see him being lumped into a a, a trade package and i don't even think the predators are going to be big buyers in this trade no. deadline and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later as well but i i could definitely see him just lumped into some type of a mid-level trade nothing that shakes the shakes the internet or anything like that but like i don't know i just i, I don't see where it moves forward but we'll see but my confidence is pretty low i would love to see him break out and i know he has it in him but how long has he had now to break out of his slump and he Wild. hasn't done it? Yeah. You know? It's yeah, it's definitely doing it's definitely dwindling for me too. I mean, it's he hasn't shown anything to show that we really should. I mean, he's had he's had some flashes here and there in some games, but like is it enough? Not really. Yeah. All right, let's move along here. Let's get more into Yuso Parsonen. Kind of a surprise move, I would say. I don't think anyone expected it necessarily. But um, I think it's a very wise move by the front office. You got to have the long game in mind here, not the short game. And when it when it comes to Yusuf Parson, he's another one of those players that is kind of gripping the stick, like they like to say. He's overthinking things. He's lost some confidence. That's what Andrew Burnett always likes to say about these younger players is they're playing with a lack of confidence. And so – Parson is now going to get the opportunity to go down to Milwaukee. He is waivers exempt, so you have that freedom there to uh, send him down there and rediscover his confidence. Domin Let's let him dominate on the AHL level. The guy, I didn't realize, I knew he didn't play for, in Milwaukee for very long, but when I looked today, I, I totally forgot it was that few of games. Right. Ten regular season games and nine playoff games. That is his AHL experience. That's his North American hockey experience. All of his other experience in main hockey leagues is over in Finland. So, I mean, that in itself is pretty amazing. And to think that when he made his NHL debut in November of 2022, he scored a goal in his first game. And it was a pretty goal. I remember yeah. it like it was yesterday. And his third NHL game, he scored two goals in a game. <coughs> yeah, two I mean, goals in a game. So, yeah, he scored two goals in a game in his third NHL game. So, he took off like a rocket right when he came in the league, and he never looked back. Well, now he's going through that proverbial sophomore slump, Max. Yeah, I mean, it's like, like we say, you know, guys go through that kind of thing all the time where, you know, especially for – someone like Parson who's young and experienced. And yeah, I mean, it's absolutely crazy the lack of experience he has. And it's also worth noting that when he came into the play, when he came to the Admirals, he went right into the playoffs. He didn't have regular season anything. He went right into the playoffs. So, I mean, he's 
I don't want to say he's been dealt a bad hand because he he's clearly deserved to come up and he deserved to come up to the NHL when he did. And, you know, he right. And as you said, when he came for that first game, he made his mark and, you know, he didn't look back. But, you know, <clears throat> especially but for these guys who are extremely young, they're 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 basically college age kids right now playing yeah. in a grown man's league. And mm-hmm. and. It takes a while, especially in a sport like hockey. I mean, there's a reason why a lot of these prospects take years before they come before they come in. It's not like football where you know your first round picks expected to contribute right away. And even then, a lot of first round picks in football struggle a little bit too to get up to speed. And I'm not gonna go on a huge tangent about football here, but the point the point the point being is we, you hey, know, Max, 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 we got football to close out this episode. Yes. We, oh, we yeah, got some Titans. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yes, yeah. we do. So we'll save that. But yeah, go but ahead. Anyway, no. my point being here is like the learning curve for players, especially like Parson, and it's going to be a while. And you know, and it, it sucks how you can kind of use these. You know, his a, a player like him with a strong start, you can no way use that against him. Saying, "Well, why is he not keeping it up?" Well, guess what? It's it's kind of the same, like the same thing with the whole team going through a bit of a rut right now. I mean, not the same thing, but they're related. It, it, it again. The point being, it's not just going to be, you know, coming in and dominating from the start and continuing. It's going to, you're going to go through some growing pains and that's ultimately that's how you get better. And I, I just see this right now as a, you know, as an opportunity for Parson to, like you said, regain some confidence, start dominating up in Milwaukee, find this game again, and hopefully come back down to Nashville. And like I also said, I don't know when that's going to be. It may be through the rest of the year. You don't know, but mm. like, so let me get in, jump in here. So, um, I I think it's absolutely a perfectly fine move that makes sense, especially considering he is in his second full full year in the NHL. This is a perfectly normal thing that happens a lot, actually, with second year players. Mm. Especially he's a former. Let, let's put this in perspective. We're not talking about a top twenty perennial talent. Not saying no. he's not talented, but what I'm saying is you treat a former seventh-round pick who got immediately thrusted into the NHL completely different than a player who you might have drafted top 20, top 10, and, and a player that immediately you thought was going to come in and just completely change the, the franchise from day one. You've got time for Parsonen to find his game. And that's what you're doing here. You you want him to go down to Milwaukee, dominate for a little bit for an already really, really solid Milwaukee team, mind you. So he, he, you're not like, it's not like you're sending him to a really bad prospect team or, or farm system team that's just like playing horrible hockey and he's going to have to go down there and be a part of a failing organization. No, he's going to play for a great organization right now. Um in the AHL for Milwaukee Admirals. So you want him to be part of that winning culture. You want him to go in there and feel that success. See that puck go in the net. See him beat those goaltenders. See him get his line mates involved. That's my biggest issue with Parsons' game right now is, and I can just go back to the last game I watched him play in, which was against, uh, what was, what was against Arizona. Over yeah. the past weekend, I feel like he's overthinking things when I watch him skate. 
And it's so crazy because when I was really watching him closely in his last game, and it wasn't because I had any kind of insider information or anything that I thought he was going to be sent down. But for some reason, I was just really focused on his play in the, against Arizona. And, and, and I just felt like he was overthinking things a little bit too much with the puck, and he was getting bullied off the puck. And a player of his size should not get bullied off the puck like he like he does. He's really good at, at drawing penalties with his with his puck handling and his puck possession. But it was a rough game for him, and I remember coming away from that game thinking that. And I just think that a big reason that the biggest glaring decrease in Parsons' numbers this year are definitely his assist numbers. He's an, he he he's a prototypical center. That's what the Predators want him to eventually yes. be. They eventually want him to be a center, right? Well, he's got four assists this season. That is. I don't care if he is in his second year. That's an, that's a concern. He's yes. got to be getting more people involved right now. Yes. And that goes right back to my opening statement in the opening faceoff. Right. What is plaguing this team right now? It's those four younger players. They all got to work together in some capacity. I know they don't always play on the same lines together, but when it comes to Parsonen, I'm not so worried about the goal scoring. He wasn't a big goal scorer in his rookie campaign. But his assist numbers got to come up. He's got to start finding ways to get other line mates involved. He had 19 assists in his first season, and he's only got four this year. That that's the biggest glaring blemish on his on his track record this year for me. Yeah, and you know a lot of it is probably due to he's playing a lot of this year on the wing. But you know, even then, you still expect that's the numbers a good point. To be that's a good point, though. That's even a fair then, point. though, you still expect the numbers to be a little better than that. I mean, it shouldn't. It shouldn't fully change. I mean, of course, you know, and he's bounced around from line to line. There's definitely the fit factor, but like you, the true summer in the middle there. And, you know, while he's definitely maybe not in the most ideal situation, he, he's he got to, um, you know, he's got to do better for himself. And, you know, he was in the, for, at the beginning of the year, he was on the top line. Like he was with guys who were going to help him produce. So, I mean, it's, he's, he's had some opportunities and, you know, again, it's not, all on him and some, and again, like I say, it's not like it's the end of the world for him at all, but. You so know, let me bring this to you then. Yeah. Let me bring this thought to you, Max. And I, maybe I can speak this into existence. I don't have a crystal ball. I wish I did because I'd be a millionaire, <laughs> but um, let's think about it from this perspective. I, we all want to see Yusuf Parson play at center eventually for this yes. organization. Um, but there's been a backlog of centers on this, on this team. And you can't let everyone play center. And there's some some players can't play wing. I mean, some players are not versatile in that nature. Yusuf Parson is versatile, or at least we thought he was. But ultimately, we want to see Yusuf Parson play consistently at center. Yes, for the Predators, he is a puck managing playmaker who can make other line mates around him better. He And I love that you just brought that up, Max. He's played a lot on the wing, and I don't think that is his strong suit. No. So post-trade deadline, let's see what this roster looks like. Maybe a center or two is no longer on this team, and that allows Yusuf Parsonen to finish out the season at – his more natural position at center 
no matter where the predator predators are at in the standings, whether they're out of the playoffs or they're still competing for a playoff spot. I want to see when you saw Parsonick comes back up to the NHL. I need to see this guy at center and I want to see him be able to get that confidence back. And I want to see him moving the puck, setting teammates, line mates up to, to have high danger scoring chances. And I want to see him handling the puck as well because we know he can do that. We know he can do the one-on-one moves. We know he can do the power moves to 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 get his his own self scoring chances and draw penalties. But I want to see him get his line mates involved more. And he can only really do that if he gets to play at center like he should be playing. The question is like, who do you bump out? Maybe Colton Sissons because he's shown he can play on the wing a little bit. It's gonna be. Or you or or I mean, it speaks to what you said earlier. Maybe Cody Glass is in a trade. I mean, you don't want to you don't want to speculate because I I, I think we all realize that Cody Glass can't play play a wing. That's not right. going to work. Yeah, for him. exactly. Um, I don't want no. Colton, I don't really want Novak playing wing either. I don't mind Colton Sissons playing wing, but it's I ideal. he's such a high IQ player that you need him at center. You yeah. really do. Your centers have to be high IQ, and, they, and and maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's why Parsonen is being sent to Milwaukee is to regain that that those those decision making skills. And again, I'll revisit it. And this is me supporting Yusuf Parsonen here. The guy played 19 games in North America. Nine of those are playoff games. We don't even know what he can do on the AHL level. You know how beneficial it could end up being for Parsonen if he goes down to Milwaukee for, let's say, a month? I'm just thinking out loud here. Let's say he goes down there for a month, and he dominates, and he gets that confidence back. He sees the puck. The game slows down for him a little bit. He he sees his line mates succeed based on the decisions he's making on the ice. And then you call him back up. That could be really good for him. So I'm I'm all on board with it. I really am. I mean, and I'm gonna take it a step further. Honestly, if you can't, if say the deadline comes or month passes, whatever. But for whatever reason, you can't you can't feasibly get Parsonen back into this lineup as a center. Maybe you, and if if he starts doing really well in Milwaukee, maybe you just roll with it and keep him down there, let him continue to gain that confidence and. Rather than putting it back in a wing spot where it's clearly not a strong suit, I mean, I, I would won't. be, I would be so shocked if Parson does not get called back up at some point in the season. Even Andrew Burnett pretty much all but said that Parson will be back up this year. Tongue in cheek, he didn't go out and say it, but um, in his in his uh, post in his thoughts on it in media availability, um, he pretty much made it pretty obvious that the plans are he's going to be brought back up. But, you know, we can, we have to see what happens, of course. But, um, yeah, I think that um, this is definitely a blessing in disguise for Yusuf Parson. And then I also saw the Milwaukee Admirals um, send out on their own main social media account. Um, they, they sent out pics of Parson in already at practice with the team, and he was all smiles. He's taking it in stride. That's the sign of a really good player that's going to go. That's, that's a sign of a great player that's going to go a long ways. He's taking it in stride. Um, I have a strong confidence that Parson will be back in the Predators lineup at some point this season, and this could end up being really, really good for him. All right, we're about to talk about the Cole Smith contract extension. 
But before we get into that, let's tell you about DraftKings real quick, our current offer. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. So, uh, Max, we need the Predators to start scoring more. But yeah. what's amazing is you can still score just as fast on the DraftKings Sportsbook app with our current NHL offer. So let's give you some matchups for Thursday, January 25th, according to DraftKings. Let's go ahead and talk about our hometown Nashville Predators. They're on the road at the Minnesota Wild. And right now, DraftKings has a the Minnesota Wild as a slight favorite over the Predators. So do that with what you will. Um, looking over some other matchups that really intrigue me. Arizona Coyotes at the Tampa Bay Lightning. They got the Tampa Bay Lightning as pretty heavy favorites there. I'm not giving betting advice, but I think the Arizona Coyotes are being massively underappreciated in that matchup by DraftKings as the underdogs there. I'm a big believer in the Arizona Coyotes. I think they're they got a still got a really good chance at a wild card spot. Other very intriguing matchups. You got the New Jersey Devils at the Carolina Hurricanes. Pretty close matchup, but the Hurricanes are favorites. Um, Anaheim Ducks at the Dallas Stars. Heavy, <laughs> heavy, heavy, heavy favorites for the Dallas Stars. And you got the Chicago Blackhawks at the Edmonton Oilers. The biggest lopsided matchup of the night. Shocker of the century. The Edmonton Oilers are minus 600 favorites over the Blackhawks. I don't know if you'll ever see a more lopsided line in NHL hockey than the Oilers and the Blackhawks on Thursday night. So if you want to win a lot of money and be a little crazy, bet the Chicago Blackhawks at the Edmonton Oilers on yeah. Thursday night. Either way, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN. New customers bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text hope NY four six seven three six nine in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call eight eight seven eight nine seven 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 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Twenty one plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire one hundred sixty eight hours after issuance. cdkng.com slash hockey. For eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources, NHL and NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League copyright NHL 2024 all rights reserved. All right, let me give you my thoughts on Cole Smith getting two years, $2 million deal. His first multi-year deal in the NHL. Pretty awesome stuff for Cole Smith, happy for the guy. We already kind of talked about it in the intro of the episode. Um, I think that this is a bargain. It really is for the Predators. Yeah. It's a wise bargain deal 
and that knocks off one of the free agents that were going to be um, have to be addressed in this upcoming offseason. Um, I can't tell you, honestly, that I thought Cole Smith would be the first one to get re-signed out of all those forwards, but you know what? They knocked one off the list, Max. Yeah, like, like I said earlier, I really like the deal a lot, and there's a lot. You know, Cole Smith, obviously, is known best for his hitting and you know being physical, but there's other things he does well. You know, One thing that I've been, if you see me tweeting, you see me talking, maybe even wrote an article about this when I – when I read that article about the key stat leaders from a while back, one of the things he really does well is penalty killing. You know, he's got two two shorthanded assists, one shorthanded goal, which doesn't seem like much, but shorthanded, that's a good bit. And he's second on the team in that regard. Um, he, you know, he he's, even in his base statistics, he's got more goals already than he did last year. He's he, in, in like, I believe 18 fewer games played, or I don't know exactly, but something like that, he already has, um, he has one <clears throat> fewer point. He's for sure going to break that. Um, he's he's even blocked more shots. He's shooting. He's already shot the puck more than he did last year. He has more shots on goal, and he's mm-hmm. got a, 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 almost a minute more of ice time. That doesn't seem like much, but he's he's getting better and better. And you know, I think I was saying one thing I used to say is you know I think his penalty killing alone is a reason to bring him back. But you know, he, there's other things he's done well, and he's also de- he's also deceivingly fast too. I mean, if you watch him skate, you know, a guy like him, as big as he is skating as fast as he, as he can, I mean, he's not like Connor McDavid level fast. I'm not going to say that, but he's, he's deceivingly fast. And for a guy that big, that combination of size. And hey, speed, you heard it here first, everybody. You heard it. Hey, make sure you DM Max Greenberg. He said tonight that Cole Smith is just as fast as Connor McDavid. I just heard him. He exactly. Said right. He there. said it. <laughs> But anyway, you know, I think – and one thing I also want to touch on too is that, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say the Preds should have committed to Cole Smith long-term. He was that kind of guy. But we've seen over the years that it's not so uncommon anymore for a lot of these role players to be getting, you know, multi-year deals. Like we saw Colton Sisson's got a seven-year deal. He's been worth that. Nick Paul from the – Tampa Bay Lightning got a seven-year deal. Um, Matt Benning for the Sharks got a four-year deal. He's played for the Preds. And there's other examples out there, but the Preds only gave Cole Smith two more years at $1 million per. That, nice. compared to I think it's a bargain. There, that's tremendous value. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, it's not like again, it's not like a like you say, an earth-shattering deal. It's not one that we're gonna look at and say, oh, this is gonna change the Preds, but you need role players. I mean, role players, sure, role players are easier to get than, you know, true top flight forwards, but they don't, it doesn't mean you need them any less. And to get a guy like Cole Smith, no complaints at all. And, and in fact, I'm really happy about it. I'm happy for him. For, I for mean, the Preds, and it's great all around. To get, to get a guy for $1 million per year, a guy who is relentless on the penalty kill, and I mean, yeah, the Predators penalty kill is not where we would like it to see. I still take a really deep breath anytime the Predators go on the kill against almost any elite power play. I, I take I take a deep breath. But they've they've shown some strides here and there. And Cole Smith is probably their best penalty killer outside of what, maybe Ryan McDonough. I mean, I don't or, know. Or Col- Colton Sissons is the other or one. Or Colton Sissons, yeah, that's fair. But I'm saying, like, he is an integral part of their penalty kill. Um, that's the biggest reason you're bringing him back. And he's a tone setter in the bottom six. And he 
you know, what you would really, what you're really banking on is that that tenacity that Cole Smith shows at um, driving the play and trying to get shots. You want to see that shooting percentage finally come back in his, yeah. in his way. I mean, the guy, it's not like the guy doesn't score for a lack of trying. The guy yeah. is out there making the, it's not like he's a complete non-factor offensively. He never, he's, he's like a not no event type of player. No, he tries to make things happen offensively and he just hasn't fine tuned that part of his game. And maybe he never will. Maybe he just doesn't have that, um, that, that innate ability to do that because not very many players do, but if you're the Predators, when you do this deal today, you're banking that what if what if Cole Smith can suddenly start improving that shooting percentage a little bit and he starts scoring some of these goals, then you really got yourself a bargain even yeah. more than he already is. Yeah, and you know for the record, I don't you know I, I don't think any of us here expect Cole Smith to become this offensive juggernaut, but the but he's still gotten better at it and. You know, as he, you know, he's still, he's 28 years old, but he's really inexperienced in the NHL. And very ex- for a 28 more, year old, he's yeah, very inexperienced. Absolutely. And give him more time, give him, because, you know, it's, it's certainly, let, I mean, everyone get at least at this point admit, it's not a fluke that he's playing every night and night out. He's, I don't think he's been a scratch once this year and re-signing that deal shows he's not going to be a scratch, you know, and I think, you know, obviously, you know, we, Cole Smith got a lot of flack from last year, you know, a lot, of, but it's, it's proven that no, he's a so staple in this lineup, and he's going to be, and he deserves it. So we got, we got, we got the uh, 2024 free agents among the Fords, not the defensemen, on the screen right now for our YouTube viewers. Also on X, thank you for watching right now. If you're watching for the first time, hit subscribe, hit the follow button, get in on the chat, send us some comments. We love to talk with you. Um, so this is a screenshot from earlier today from cap friendly. They hadn't updated their site yet, so we can go ahead and knock Cole Smith off this list. He is no longer a UFA this off season. So that knocks the number of unrestricted free agents among the Fords for the predators down to five. So max, I got to ask you this and then I'll answer after you give your answer. How, yeah. how, if in any way does this, does Cole Smith getting, signed first to a contract extension before all these other players. What kind of impact does that make on, let's say a Yakov Trenin who we've talked yeah. about or even Tommy Novak or Michael McCarron, Kiefer Sherwood. These are all players that are unrestricted free agents this off season. You, you're, we've already said it very clearly. <laughs> you can't keep them all. You can't no. keep every role player. No. So w- what do you think this means? For the rest of the lineup, for the free well, agents. I'm gonna, well, I'm going to say, you know, I have I have a note on my phone that I've been kind of editing and playing with the past few weeks. I swear, I made it weeks ago. But on that on that list, I said it's the the note was, you know, looking at the Preds' potential deadline plans and you know who's kind of accounting for who's going to be here, who's going to not be here next year. You know, it was mainly around the players who are, you know, a lot of it was centered around these guys right here who are going to be free agents coming up, and I had a list of players who I'd want to keep, a list of players I, I say maybe the team should trade. Cole Smith was a one, among those players I wanted the team to keep, and they did. So I'm really glad that Andrew Brunette and Barry Trotz did that. But as far as the rest of the forwards, I think, and I think you and you and I have been talking about this, you especially have been talking about this, I think this, 
I, I feel even, I mean, I, again, you don't know what's going to happen, but I feel even more confident that Yakov Trenin might be someone who you're going to trade the deadline because mm-hmm. especially since they do a lot of the same things, you know, physical penalty killers, you know, that kind of stuff. I don't, I, I and especially if, you know, when you look and I don't think in that, you know, his cap hit this year might not affect it that much. And again, these are all fairly, there. these are all cheap deals in the grand scheme of things, but yeah, but, but look at it. I like where you're going with yeah. this. Look at it. So yeah. Trennan is going to definitely want a pay raise. Yes. And you're talking about two players who play very similar styles. Could you argue that Yakov Trennan maybe has a little bit more upside when it comes to offense and a shot and a, and stuff? Yeah, you could argue that. But when it comes to pure value, are you going to be willing to – most likely have to at the very least double the pay of Yakov Trenin compared to Cole Smith. So if Cole Smith is making one million a year, let's just say on the conservative side to keep Yakov Trenin, you might have to pay him two million per year, if not yeah. more. Are you going to pay Yakov Trenin double what you pay <laughs> Cole Smith to essentially do the same things? Probably not. Yeah. Probably well, not. I, I, no, I, I don't think, and I so like I say, I think you know, Trenton's one guy I think is going to be who probably should be tried to be traded. Um, Kiefer Sherwood again, you know, and I think you know they don't. He doesn't play quite the same way as Cole Smith. I think he has a little more, you know, how do I say? You know, I think skating ability a little bit, but you know, they do a I lot of the same gone. things. I think I he's gone, gone, and he's been he's been healthy scratch a lot of these games recently. I think they should absolutely look to trade him deadline if they can and then with the other guys you know mccarran a bit of a toss-up here i think gurionov is probably one guy you go with i think especially with his skill set you know even if you don't think he's a long-term piece i think his skill set makes him a better you fit can get team, who he can play with like the tomasino yeah. the glass if he comes back evangelista novak i think i think his skill set makes him a little better for this roster especially when you got a guy like cole smith and especially like if you're gonna I mean, especially you when you look know. at these three agents when you're gonna keep probably you know, the physical guys, Trennan, Smith now, Sherwood, McCarron, you're going to probably keep at least two of those. And I think, you know, with Smith here, I think you probably, out of McCarron, out of Trennan, and of Kiefer Sherwood, I think you probably want to try and trade at least two of them. You can um, you can keep Garyanov and McCarron for really, really cheap deals yes. if you want yep. to keep them and you believe in them. I think yes. just just sitting here right now, those are my two that I would look to keep. Because um, they just Agreed. have upside. I think that McCarron is just a really safe player to keep around. That's not going to need a big pay raise. He is what he is. He's not anything more. He's been around for a while. He's a safe player to have in your bottom six. He is a safe fourth line center who can also play wing on the fourth line. Um, you can healthy scratch him here and there, and it's not going to be a big deal. Um, He's a big body. He can do certain things. He's not going to be expensive to keep. So I would I would expect right now to keep Michael McCarron. The jury is still out, still out on Dennis Garyanov. He has played eight games now. Um, I'm really yeah. intrigued to see what the Predators are going to do with him because they got to send him back down soon before he becomes eligible to be waived again. So I think... He's he's done a lot of good things, but has he done enough to well, I don't get want to say a, like that, another so contract? 
I don't know. I mean, again, you know, like I say, I think his skill set certainly makes him a fit for, you know, at least for the short term, playing alongside guys like, like I say, your Tomasinos, Evangelistas, Cody Glass becomes back. But, you know, I, again, I, as of right now, unless, unless we talk about like if, if he, unless he can really improve that, you know, finishing slash execution side of his game, which as we've said, has been a struggle for him, his main struggle, his whole career, you can't commit to him being a long-term piece. But that being said, I do he, like I him. I think you can get him for cheap. Yeah, I, I do like him being you know, on this team, at least for the short term, because I like I say I do think his skill set I will say I am I am very, very surprised that Cole Smith got a new deal before Tommy Novak, because I feel like that's the highest priority. And maybe I'm just overthinking this. Max, you can call me crazy. You can think you can totally tell me that I'm being paranoid and I'm overthinking this, and I won't take it defensively. But I can't help but think. The more and more time that goes by that Tommy Novak doesn't have a new contract extension, especially now that I see that Cole Smith got one, you can't tell me that Barry Trotz isn't at least contemplating offering Tommy Novak in a trade because Tommy Novak is it would be a very enticing trade piece for a lot of teams. A lot of contending teams would like to have a Tommy Novak on their playoff roster. Now, like I said, we don't know what Barry Trotz's thinking is right now, but if he decides, you know what, we are two or three years at best away from really competing, maybe even longer. If he's thinking that in his deepest, darkest thoughts right now, then Tommy Novak might be a player that you have to consider trading. And the fact that he doesn't have a contract extension yet, but Cole Smith does, that makes me think, Max. Am I crazy to think that way? Not – so I, I, I agree with some parts. I agree with – I don't agree with certain parts. I don't – the one that I probably don't agree with, I probably don't think the Smith contract you know has that much of an impact on it. They're two different players for sure. And you know, I think it's certainly easier to get a deal with a guy – Done with a guy like Smith, who you know is a bottom six role player. We know that's his game, and you know there's not. You know, I don't look, think there's. Look, I, don't think, I don't think they're directly linked. What I'm trying to say is, Tommy Novak should be a much higher priority. I get what you're saying. It's an easier contract to get hammered out with Smith than it is Novak. Right. I get that, but and I don't think they're directly linked. What I'm saying is. Tommy Novak, if you really want him as part of your future, that should be one of your top priorities. The fact that it's not been done yet, it shouldn't be that hard of a contract to come up with. The well, fact that it hasn't been done yet makes me leads me to believe that there's the possibility that Trotz wants to leave all of his cards on the table, especially with still six weeks out from the trade deadline. That's all I'm trying to say. Well, and again, you know, I think the part I, you know, the part I, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, the, the Smith contract it really has much to do with a Novak signing, but I will say, and I've said this before in this podcast, by the deadline, you need to know what you're doing with Tommy Novak, whether he's signed or traded. You do, you cannot let him go to the end of this year and be an unrestricted free agent. You cannot lose him for nothing. And kind of going back to what we talked about earlier in this episode, you got a lot of centers on this team. There's not enough spots. And if you're thinking, you know what, we're really far out. We don't have a chance anytime soon. We want to acquire draft capital. 
here and potentially free up a spot for a guy like Parson to come in and play center or some of these other guys. And if you're nowhere near close to a deal with Novak, how do you not make a trade in that case? I mean, I, I hate to see Novak I, go, I mean, but like you, you, the, I, the, the, the outcome that must be avoided at all costs is losing him for nothing. I, I, I feel like with this current Predators team, Barry Trott should already be – I won't say he should be 100% sure what he's going to do, but he should be pretty damn close because – how much how much more can you really expect from this team right now? And Max, you yeah. kind of said it at the beginning of the episode. You said you said, what more can we expect from a new team like this with younger players playing in their second years or their third years? And like what more can you expect other than this team is in a wild card spot right now? They've already outperformed a lot of where people expect them to be. So if you're Barry Trotz, how much more are you really going to learn one way or the other? between now and March 8th. I don't know. I mean, yeah, they could go on a win streak. Yeah, they could go on a let's say they let's say they somehow pull off like a six-game win streak or something like that. Even then, even if that happened, are are we going to sit here on this podcast and realistically say, "Oh, they've won six games in a row. Suddenly now we think that they can <laughs> win the Stanley Cup." No. 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 Yeah. No. I I, I'm with you. I absolutely think that Trot should be, if he's leaning one way, should be towards being sellers. You, know, I don't think there's he needs he needs to figure out ways to unload some of these lower yeah. to mid free agents because there there's no one thing we do have going for us in this upcoming off season is that there's no earth shattering free agents on the books this this off season with the exception of. Novak, and then we're talking about the Fords mostly right now. But with the exception of Novak, I think he is definitely a critical one that you have to get re-signed, in my opinion. And then on the defensive end of things, Alexander Carrier is an unrestricted free agent. And it's just my opinion. People can disagree with me on it. I think he is very, very important to get re-signed. But other than that... These these guys are mostly expendable, and it's not going to be the end of the world if you lose them. Yeah, and you know, again, I just go back to the point of if you can't get a deal done with these guys, I understand you can't, you can't always get a deal done. But the outcome you must avoid at all costs is keeping these guys for the sake of a potential playoff push. You finish in a wild card spot. You you have you, you and, and the same way you ended two years ago. And you're potentially losing these guys for nothing, and you get that, embarrassed. That's, in the, that's the outcome. Let, let, not yeah. Let's say you get a let's say you get a wild card spot, and you have to go up against, um, let's just say Colorado again for the hell of it. I mean, I know the Preds beat them the one time they've met this year, and it was an exciting fashion and everything. But the last thing we want to see is a repeat of that, or even yeah. losing in five. Or even losing in six would, would would still be nothing worth it when it comes to not trading away players you need to trade away that you're not going to be able to re-sign in the offseason. So I think Barry Trotz is a very smart guy. Even in his first trade deadline, he is a very smart guy, and he already realizes this. And you can pretty much take it to the bank that some of those free agents we just listed are going to get traded at yeah. the deadline in some shape or fashion, but it's not going to be in the sense of 
Trotz is buying. It's going to be in the sense of, like you just said, Max, getting some trade, getting some some draft picks, and also freeing up some roster space for Igorov Nasiev to maybe get called up to finish out the season again. Um, Spencer Statsny, you know, one of those types of players who deserve to be on the NHL level right now, but there's yeah. not room for them. Um, that's what you're looking at here. Um, get some more draft picks, even if there is late draft picks. It doesn't matter. Get some draft picks. That's all you're going to get. I don't think it's going to be particularly that exciting of a trade deadline from a Predators perspective. I really don't. No, I don't. I don't think so either. But you know, I think you know. But you know, we a lot of people like to talk about. You know, we want like the best pick, but like you, but like you don't know where you're going to finish. But what you want is draft capital because that's what you can play with. That's how you can make deals. That's how you can move up in the draft. And one other thing I want to mention is I can't, I almost feel like I can't not mention this, you know, in regards to, you know, what you would do at the deadline and stuff. It's like, how do you not learn from the near blunder? That was the whole Philip Forsberg thing two years ago where he almost walked for nothing. And yeah, we got, and yeah, we got the result we wanted at the end of the day, but you cannot, you're going to, if you, again, the old saying goes, if you play with fire, you're going to get burned. And I, I very much think, you know, the, the Pred should, again, different regime I get, but, you know, and Bruno, Bruno and Trot saw what happened. And, you know, we, as fans, very recent history, we know what happened. And you can't let that happen again. You got to learn your lesson from the two years ago and say, look, we got lucky this, that time. We're not going to make that mistake this time. Mm. And if you go into the deadline, you get near deadline and you are still nowhere near deal with Carrier and Novak, you got to cut your losses and be like, you know what? At least let's get something for them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Good stuff there from Max on that. We have plenty of time, six weeks to talk about it. Um, but let's move along here. I want to share my poll on the screen real quick. Um, and, and before I share it, let me present the question to all of our Live viewers on YouTube, on X, on Facebook. Thank you for watching. Hit follow, hit subscribe, comment. The comments really make the episode and make it fun. All right, so my question is, who will be the Preds' starting goaltender to open 2024-2025? So the easy answer is obviously UC Soros, but come on. I want you guys to think about it a little bit more because... I don't think it's that clear cut necessarily. Now, the the trade rumors around Soros have simmered a little bit. I don't think people are talking about it as much, but just as recent as a couple weeks ago, I think it was last week actually, um, Pierre Lebrun of the Athletic even brought up that Barry Trotz is is at least entertaining offers right now and picking up the phone just based on the fact that there are so many teams out there that are utterly desperate for a goalie. And so if it's one of those um, offers that you cannot refuse, that's why I asked this question. So I'm about to put the poll results up there for that I asked um, all of the followers on social media about and give you those poll results. But let me ask Max first, mm-hmm. who is your starter Game one season opener for the Predators between the pipes. Fortunately, I unfortunately for the sake of this episode, I got to go with the boring answer and say it's probably it's still going to be juice. It's probably still going to be juice, honestly. I mean, and you know, the 
hearing and you know absolutely barry trot should be at least picking up the phones i think he'd be dumb to not at least see what's out there and you know i think you know they're with the way saros has been inconsistent if someone is really willing to make a huge offer it it'd probably be pretty hard not to capitalize on it but but you know i i i just i can't imagine that he's actually going to make that deal because i think we've seen <clears throat> back to last summer when he was even willing to dangle Askarov as potential trade bait. And we've seen him sit this year. He's voices confidence and juice. I, I get, I, I, I'm not, I'm going to say it's, I wouldn't, I'm at the point where I don't think I'd be stunned. I wouldn't be stunned or even really that surprised if Soros is indeed traded, but I can't actually predict he's going to make that deal. I think he will be back at, between the pipes next year. So the only way that it would not be UC Soros in this poll your choice is if he gets traded, obviously, yeah. at the 2024 deadline. Um, or in the offseason. Yeah, I guess it could happen. But um, interesting, I think that the fact that the, the voters went 36% on a scar off, that was pretty surprising. That's surprising, I, yes. I thought Soros would have a lot more of the vote. I think I find it kind of interesting that Lincoln got ten percent. Um, I think that's just more or less. That, that's what really surprises me that it's so much more scar over Lincoln, and because I, I would think that your next year you wouldn't want to be starting a scar up. You want to be starting or at least letting them split. That I think the line the, of, the line of thinking between voting Lincoln in there is thinking, okay, they're going to trade Soros. They're going to retain Lincoln in for much cheaper than what it would cost for Soros when they have to give him a new contract and they do 50, 50 starts between Askarov and Lincoln in next year. I think that's the thinking there. And then right. we already know the 1% other was our former co-host, Rich Howe, who voted for Luca Spiza. <laughs> Classic. We already Rich. know that. Classic Rich. He already, I mean, he already, I already outed him on it. He, I called him out on it and he, he did, did he not deny say, it. Did he actually say Lucas Pisa? I, I don't know. All I know is I accused him of it, and he did not deny it. So that hey. means guilty. That means <laughs> that, guilty that, that, that does mean guilty. That does. Yeah. So um, other than that, I don't know why anyone would <laughs> say 1% other. Um, but anyway. Um, okay, so Max says UC Soros. Yeah. You know what? I'm just going to be different. Okay. God, I really want to be different, but no, I'm going to say Soros as well, just because I don't want to be wrong. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be Soros as well. Um, even if even if Barry Trotz is picking up the phone and doing his due diligence right now, which he should, as a general manager, you should always pick up the phone. But I don't think there's any team out there that in their right mind would be willing to give enough to trots for him to actually do it. Yeah, it'd have to be something pretty on the unreasonable side of things. <clears throat> yeah. So I, I think that there's not a team out there that's going to go that far just to get Soros. But they're definitely going to test trots. They're going to give him offers. Trots is going to be answering that phone probably 50 times a day until March 8th, listening to offers. But I think he's pretty steadfast in keeping Soros and eventually getting a contract done. And that contract needs to get done 
if not before the end of the season, it needs to get done in the offseason. We do not want this drama trickling into next season. We yeah. just don't. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, at the very, very latest, I mean, it's kind of the same deal as I said a bit ago, at the ne- at the very, very latest no. next year's deadline. But you don't I think that's even too late. Going that far. You don't want to go that far. No. That's um because that's you don't want that kind of noise lingering over your franchise goaltender contract year. Let's say Soros, and he's streaky. We know he's streaky. Let's say that next year he goes through another twenty game, fifteen game slump where he's not playing on his top level. You you think it's dramatic now, and you you think that fans are freaking out now in a contract year? It's going to get ugly. So. If they want to keep him, and if they're if they're serious about him being the franchise goalie, they need to get a contract done quick, quick. That's just all I'm saying there on that one. Yeah. Um, but those poll results were interesting for sure. Um, let me share some comments on the screen that I found interesting as well. Let me get them here. Um, I always love hearing from the fans on on questions like this because you get a broad perspective, but mostly got everything from agreeing with Saros as well. So as you can see there, um, some good comments there. Um, Pred Season on Twitter says, Saros, but I think it will be more of a 50-50 split with Iskarov. What do you think about that, Max? Do you think it'll be more of a 50-50 split? Uh, probably not. I think if Saros is back, he's your starter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that co- commenter also goes on to say, I don't think anyone will pay the high price for him in a trade year to cap space constraints. And he should not be moved for anything other than a huge overpay. Yeah, uh, Jesse, awesome. Jesse on X says Saros, unless something crazy comes in that even Saros wouldn't say no to. So, Saros doesn't really have a say in it. Right. <laughs> if he gets traded, he gets traded. But um, I, I think that if we could ask Saros one-on-one, he wants to stay in Nashville. Probably. Um, but uh, the comment, uh, Jesse also goes on to say here, I got it. Eskarov has the potential, but Saros is proven. Hard to move a proven commodity to take a chance. Yeah. And then we've got James on X also commented on – the post and says Soros, there's absolutely nothing wrong with letting Eskarov cook in the minors. Um, Max, that was kind of your overall thought originally on it. Yeah, you know, I, I you know, it kind of goes back to you know what Parson is, you know, what if the guy's doing well and you know you and you don't really have room for him to seriously play up at the NHL level, why disrupt what's going right and you know keep him there where he's gonna continue to build that confidence and because you don't you don't want him going into the league and you know and sitting a bunch. You want him playing a good mm-hmm. bit. So I mean, of course he's he's not going to come into the league and be a starter right away. But you know I, but but as long as if you don't think you can commit to playing a scar off the appropriate number of games, he would take that truly, you know, be worth it. Then why not let him stay there where he's doing well and goal and especially you know players hockey players in general but goaltenders especially take a while to develop so yeah, why yeah. why would you rush that? Very true, very true. All right, let, let's round it out. We got a couple other topics to get into. We're going to quickly do our central division rundown segment. 
one major topic. That is um, the news brought up today about NHL expansion to Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, my first thoughts on this is what does that mean for the Arizona Coyotes and their relocation purposes? Because I don't think the NHL needs to expand to additional teams. If anything, they might need to relocate a team, but I don't think we need to add an additional team to a league that's already struggling with a lot of profits that they have TV deals that are a mess regionally with Bally and all that. Um, fix your issues that you already clearly have right. before you start expanding to unknown sports markets just because the Utah Jazz ex- is, exists in the NBA. Okay, the NBA is a completely different animal. So let's stop trying to compare the NHL to the NBA. Just because the Utah Jazz worked out in the NBA – doesn't mean that it's going to work out for the NHL in Utah. That is a very bold relocation idea, and I don't see that it logically makes sense, unless it's the Coyotes relocating there. Right, yeah, I think that would clearly be the team, you know. You know, as far as the, you know, area itself, you know, Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah is clearly – it's cold over there. There's a lot of outdoor stuff, skiing. I go there there a lot. I might be going there in a – few weeks is my family does ski trips out there fairly often park city which is a, like 30 45 minutes from salt lake i think you know it certainly make it certainly is a you know winter area and i think they could have a pretty nice rivalry with the the avalanche of colorado yeah. utah rivalry mm-hmm. and but yeah i mean I, I agree with exactly what you're saying as far as you know we shouldn't be expanding 32 teams is plenty enough i don't yeah and, and you know that throwing a 33rd team in there were totally mess with the leak structure if we, if well, that we would thought, open up if, that would open up room for to add another canadian team which yeah. has been also been really they've been pleading to add another team to canada yeah. um which i'm not saying that's not rightfully so but 34 teams is way too many so yeah. if you add if you if, if, let, let's say salt lake city becomes the 33rd team and you throw off the league balance well then you gotta add a 34th team and I think we can all agree that 34 teams is way too many for yeah. the NHL. Yeah. And, you know, if we thought if we thought the NHL with their divisions and the whole schedule matrix was as clunky as it was, well, throw a 33rd team in there, and my Lord, it's just going to be even crazier. I mean, yeah, I don't – yeah, expand. they absolutely should not consider expanding out there, but if they are going to relocate a team, it's definitely going to be the Coyotes because their future in Arizona is certainly in limbo. They – um, they, um, I believe, I don't know exactly how their arena plans on there are going, but it, I knew it wasn't look, I knew they didn't get that one arena, wherever it was, I knew it wasn't looking great for them there, but yeah, I mean that, and that would make clear sense to get them out there because, you know, you wouldn't have to, you, they, they weren't not, they weren't not be like a realignment, like when Atlanta moved to Winnipeg and they, they just couldn't keep them in the Southeast. Like if you keep them in the exact same, but they could stay in the central, you know, it'd be, they'd certainly be the westernmost team in the central by far. But, yeah. you know, they wouldn't be relocating very quick. They wouldn't be – it wouldn't be like a huge relocation like that. You still can keep the conferences intact. So, yeah, I think if they're going to get a team to Salt Lake, that's your only option really unless, unless you know, you move the Coyotes up to 
somewhere in like East like Quebec City and you move it even the East out there. I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but the bottom yeah. line is we're both. And it is Mike Twitter here. just jumped in the comments here and offered some clarification. It really is more of just a proposal from right. more from the Utah Jazz owner, um, but. And we already kind of covered it at the beginning of the episode. It, it really feels like a, a PR stunt to, to overshadow the really ugly news that came yes. out with um, um, the uh, Hockey Canada news, sexual assault allegations that are just like a massive dark cloud over the sport today. Um, but just speaking on pure expansion terms, the only way I'd be on board with it where it would make sense. Would it be cool to have a team in Salt Lake, like a new market and for the NHL to explore that? That'd be cool. Um, Cause as cool as mullet arena is and to see a team play in a hockey arena, we just saw the predators play there. Um, the camera angles are different. The sound is different. Like it would be cool to go to a game and see a hockey game in a college arena. It's not sustainable yeah. and it doesn't, it doesn't seem like they're moving the uh, the ball forward at all on figuring out a long-term solution. Um, so I could see Salt Lake City being first in line to get a relocation franchise. I wouldn't be against that. Yeah, absolutely not. And you know, but yeah, I think we're you know, I think we're definitely in agreement that you know it's Salt Lake's gonna get a team, it's gonna be relocation, and it's gotta be the coyotes because no one knows what's happening. It doesn't doesn't certainly doesn't look good with their chance of getting an arena down in Arizona, and they cannot play in Mullet Arena. The five thousand. I really do want to. If if the Predators can't make the playoffs, I want to see the Coyotes make the playoffs because I want to see them host a game, a playoff game in Mullet Arena. That'd be hilarious and also really funny. All right. Um. Final thing, we got to do some Titans time, (laughs) and Max is ready to go. He's. He's got smoke coming out of his ears. He's so oh, ready yeah. to talk about this. So the Titans have it's Titans time to rep to wrap up episode two nineteen of Catfish and Ice. Some really big news to talk about here. The Titans have hired their new head coach. Finally, the search is over. Yep. Tell us about the new guy in charge. Do you like the move? What what does this coach specialize in? Um, give us the rundown on the newest head coach of the Tennessee Titans. Well, before I get, you know, into that totally, you know, there is a, I will say that I'm glad that we waited till today to record because there was a lot of Titans news that came out that's worth talking about. But as far as the new hire, it is Brian Callahan, who was the offensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals from 2019 to 2023. And it just shows the Titans are going in a completely different direction. You know, we had Mike Vrabel here, who was more of an old school kind of, old school, you know, run the ball, you know, physical, physicality, all that stuff. But now you got Brian Callahan, who's coming in here. He's worked with a lot of different quarterbacks in the past. You know, he's very, he's, you, every time, if you ever hear him talk, he's always talking about how, you know, we, the, you win in this league with good quarterback play, passing the football, that's got to be the focal point of your game, but you still got to run the ball a little bit, take advantage of light boxes. I, I love where he's at with a, from the philosophical standpoint there. He also is, very into analytics, something that the Titans really didn't do beforehand with, you know, John Robinson and Mike Vrabel when they were the GM and head coach respectively. And another thing also about Brian Callahan is just how, how beloved he's been by his players and even other coaches, you know, Zach Taylor said a lot of great things about him. who's the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. 
he's coached Matthew Stafford before, who said really good things about him. He's been with Peyton Manning before. He's been with he's he's had a, he has a lot of experience, and I think he absolutely seems like a really really good fit from not only a philosophical standpoint, from also from a leadership standpoint. And one other guy I really was a lot of people were looking into for the Titans to potentially hire was Bobby Slowick, who is the offensive coordinator for the Texans. He's getting a lot of interviews now, but the more I really thought about it with him, he he, he is, he's only thirty six. He, he it's his first year being an offensive coordinator. His experience is much inferior to Brian Callahan's and and you know I I I, I again I think from just from leadership and from you know what he brings as far as you know what he believes in from a football standpoint I think he's absolutely a perfect fit for this team and you could just tell how badly the Titans wanted him you know they brought him in for a second interview Monday didn't let him out of the building after that yeah. Monday night we knew he was the guy but also and I love this from the Titans you know he was coming in on a flight from Cincinnati and his flight got canceled due to the weather. But instead of having to make him drive in, the Titans flew their own private jet wow. to Cincinnati so that he would make it in time. That's so cool. And that's, and that's what you do when you like someone that much. Yeah. You want to bring him in. So I, so it comes down to, I, so, I Max, the, so I like the hire a lot. I think it's a great hire. So Max, it comes down to just like the predators kind of just did the same thing. The Titans are shifting more towards an offensive guru now. Yep. And, um, does that does that mean good things for Will Levis that they're get, that he's going to be getting a head coach that preaches good quarterback play because we don't expect Brian Tannehill to be back obviously no. so it's Will Lev it's the Will Levis show from here on out right for yeah. the oh, quarterback yeah. and I, he's he's got to be happy now knowing a guy who's pretty much a proven QB whisperer and that shows that the Titans really want to build around their QB and you know. Of course, you know you don't you don't know for sure if it's going to be Levis. You still got to let him play out because and get the full answer in the next year or two. But yeah, you know you, but it shows that if nothing else, the Titans are going to want to they want to give him a chance and they want to build around this new offensive approach. So I think it's I think it's really good as far as you know what they want to be and it's shows that they're trying to modernize their approach and go more from you know just hard nose running the ball to more you know QB heavy analytics based offense and running and running the team that way, which is really good. Well, they probably got still got a lot of work to do to fill out that lineup because I yeah. mean, you got to have receivers, right? So do we expect DeAndre Hopkins to be back next year? I think so. Yeah. I don't so yeah, at least you got Hopkins to build around. And I mean, I saw some of the, some of the other receivers showed some, well, we'll save that for another episode, but um, good stuff there on our, in our Titans time to round out episode 219 of Catfish and Ice. Go ahead real quick. I know you want to get into the last thoughts. Well, did you, so, did you he hear? I, I'm sure you saw grumblings about it on Twitter. Did you hear about Wesley Woodyard's interview with 1045 The Zone? I believe it was. You know, I didn't dive deep into it, but I did come across it. But fill me in on exactly what it's something to do with Mike Vrabel, right? Yeah, he 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 said some pretty pr pretty rough stuff if it's true about the head coach. So I take the sweep from from my man Tyler Roland, Tic Tac Titans on Twitter, and he gave the um kind of run down it. He gave, you know, an overview of like the hard facts and general anecdotes. So the hard facts were that he said that from Woodyard was Rabel hijacked their defensive meeting before Kansas City in the conference championship game from Dean Pease, who was the old defensive coordinator after they got into an argument. He changed their coverage identity that didn't suit the corners. He kicked players out of the locker room. He kicked, no, he kicked players' kids out of their locker room, but he kept his own sons in there, which he eventually changed out. But apparently he 
talk trash about Mike Malarkey, veteran players on from like day one when he was in there. He called him entitled. And he also talked about, and Woodyard also talked about how, you know, he wouldn't adjust to players. And when you saw guys going elsewhere and playing well and, you know, talk about being overworked. And, you know, as far as that's concerned, I wouldn't take all that fully at face value. Um, you know, I think, you know, Woodyard has been, he's been talking trash about Vrabel for a long time. And I definitely think he, it's a guy who's definitely has some sour grapes from, you know. I would like to hear, I would like to hear Vrabel's side of the story. Yeah, there's always absolutely. two sides of the story. But I will say also to on that note that Vrabel does come off as yes. like a very yes. ego driven. Yes, he's um, an egomaniac. And sometimes you do yeah. need really strong leaders, but there's a fine line between being a strong leader and being an egomaniac who pushes people the wrong way. Yes. Perhaps we'll never know the truth, but there was definitely some stuff behind closed doors um, that was going on. It wasn't just results driven based on why no. Mike Vrabel is no, no longer the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. One if it was, was just also, results driven, you know, maybe he makes it he another year. That Monday, he would have been fired that Monday yeah. instead of that Tuesday. But also another thing that was mentioned and I want to want to talk about was, you know, when you talk about guys like, you know, Harold Landry and Jeffrey Simmons, who were defending Vrabel till they till they died. Well, they were raised in like the Vrabel way. They didn't know any better coming into the league. But that was also one of the things they talk about. And that's one of those areas where I'm like, I don't know how fully true that is because you had guys like Taylor Lewan, who obviously loves him. He was around before Vrabel. Mm -hmm. Kevin Byard, you know, he was saying good things. Derek Henry too said good things. And Woodyard also said like he completely lost the locker room. I don't know how true that is. You saw mm -hmm. the guys playing hard. But like I say, I think the truth is absolutely in the middle. Like, Brabel's definitely a my way or the highway kind of guy. Yep. And, and he, he's not everyone's cup of tea for sure. And But after a while, you know, and it's certainly more believable when you saw the excerpt about him wanting full control of team operations. You know, that, yeah, it just sounds like Brabel absolutely wanted it his way. It's starting or to make more all. sense. It's starting to make a lot more sense now why he was let go. But um, we're, we are going to end it with yep. that. This has been episode 219 of Catfish and Ice with your hosts, Chad Minton and Max Greenberg. We really appreciate you joining us. We will see you next week for a new live episode. Stay tuned for bonus content on the YouTube channel as we get time to do that. Until then, let's see if the Predators can get up off the mat here. They need a good win, a response response win against the Minnesota Wild. Um, we'll see if it happens. Until then, thanks for listening and watching. Hit subscribe on the YouTube channel. It helps a ton. Hit follow on X. Until then, see you next time. Enjoy the rest of your weeks, everybody.